Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Left tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, Tyron Smith, uh, out until at least December, I believe, is the projection time of when he could possibly return. That is a huge loss for the Cowboys' offensive front. He missed some time last year with an ankle issue. But in the games he played through, when I say time, but maybe combined, it was about a month. In the games he was available, he only allowed two sacks the entire season. Excellent left tackle is not available now for the Dallas Cowboys. Outkick 360 continues, and uh, you can follow us on social media at Outkick 360. We hope you'll uh, watch on Outkick.com or continue to listen to the show through our great radio partners. Uh, that's an injury you don't want to see if you're Dak Prescott, if you're uh, protection, uh, protecting Prescott for uh, the pass game now that does not have uh, Cooper in that lineup. It's bad. Yeah, it's, uh, and it's a good development. Not that the Eagles are rooting for that, but um, you know that's a division that could be contested between those two teams, and this helps close the gap. Are we sure the Cowboys are good? No. Well, we know they're <laughs> I'm, not I'm good in the now, playoffs. I'm thinking, man, I – it's they they lost some stuff from a year ago, and I, I'm just I, I go into the season picking them to win the NFC East it's by default a little bit. But I, I don't know that it's by default anymore. I, I I watch Philadelphia also and think are are they just better? No, here's here's my rationale: is a, a quarterback, and I don't love Dak Prescott, but I love him more than Jalen Hurts. I I just I can't commit to a Jalen Hurts-led team, and I know Philadelphia's got other stuff going for it, Chad. And I, I'm with you. I don't think Dallas is nearly uh, – they're not as good as they were last year, and last year they weren't good enough, and this is a team that doesn't know how to win in the playoffs for a long, long time now. But I just can't see giving the nod to, to a Jalen Hurts-led team until I see it happen, you know, and he can, he can still do that. But I have a hard time not seeing Dak Prescott as the best option there, and it's a quarterback-driven league. Which NFC East quarterback is under the most pressure? I, I, I mean, you can make the case for both of them, right? I mean, All if Hurts doesn't get it done, well, Daniel Jones is, is already done to me, right? It's a con- I mean, it's a prove-it year for him, though. Like, right. this, this is it. Same for Wentz. But I'll be, this surprised. For I'll be surprised if Daniel Jones proves it. I'll be surprised if Carson Wentz is any better Though he might look great in that setting because it's a bad, the worst setting he's been in. But for Hertz, you know, it feels like a one year prove it thing because if he doesn't take them where they could go, they're in position to go get somebody better with good people surrounding him. Prescott seems to, a lot of people love Prescott, I think more than he deserves. But they're not moving away from Dak Prescott in a year if, if, if the no, Cowboys but aren't good. For, for him to fulfill what expectations were for him like this is a big year because yeah. they they've been stacking talent 
they have it. They have a great defense. Like they, they are a good team. But they're down weapon they wise. Are, you take a, Mar- a Cooper away from that team. Well, the, the question is: Is C.D. Lamb now going to Elevate. step forward and be a true number one wideout? And can they sort out what to do with Ezekiel Elliott when he's less effective? Because I feel like they're they're they feel duty bound. They did last year sometimes stick with him when Pollard was the better option. Which is yeah. sticky stuff. You can't do that. You gotta it's gotta be merit. I, I think this is I think it's pretty clear based on the contract this is Elliott's final year in Dallas. Uh, yeah, I think so too. And if that's the case, then maybe they do go more show with more with Pollard. If he's better. And, and if they you know, if if they get what they think they are getting out of C D Lamb, Gallup is available. Right, and that's the other one. And uh, Dalton Schultz, who they franchise tagged at tight end, they're they're expecting him to crank it up a notch too. So, so it's Gallup who's hurt, right? They're not yeah. putting him on pup, but he's not ready for week one. So he's going to emerge probably week three uh, or week four and be ready to play. Um, so Jerry Jones pretty much said that by discussing them not putting him on PUP, that, that they'll get him before week five, but they're not getting him in week one. So that's an interesting thing for them, too, starting the season without him. They're a little thinned out at, at wide receiver. Um, with Washington hurt, and they lost Cedric Wilson, and they lost um, Cooper. Cooper. So, I mean, that's a big hit there. That room's not the same as it, as it was. They're definitely a notch down, Chad, to your point. Yeah. From what they were last year, but the I, NFC I, but, and I is, think Philly's, is a, Philly's a notch up. You know, Philly was the last team; they're the seven seed a year ago. Yes, they get waxed by Tampa in in round one, but I mean that's a playoff team, and they got a sizable upgrade in AJ Brown this past off season, and I think the Cowboys took a pretty sizable jump back. And and Sirianni, we talked about this, made a big adjustment along the way last year. And kind of showed. I, I mean, I'll take him over McCarthy, despite McCarthy's Super Bowl, because I saw him adjust on the way last year and say, hey, we need to run it. And they changed, uh, you know, course halfway through the season. He showed me he's a malleable guy who's going to adjust to what he has and what they're doing. McCarthy it, just strikes me as it also a fossil. Going with McCarthy and the Cowboys mystique, in true Cowboys fashion, this is going to be absolute boom or bust. Like when that bubble, when that balloon pops, they're going to be terrible, and the Eagles are going to run away with the division. So like I, I want, don't see it just being a gradual decline to 500 or around, and then the Eagles overtake them. It feels like when the Cowboys blow up, they're going to blow up. I'm a Cowboy hater, but I want them to be reasonably good just because they're on TV constantly, and it's no fun to watch all those primetime games with them not being any good. So I want them to be, you know, yeah, a it helps nine when or ten win team at the very least. Well, they can rush the passer and they create turnovers. Man. Yeah, the, so. and defensively they should be, like you're saying, in, in a lot of games, uh, even if that's not the, the way a lot of their fans would like them to be good. So uh, from a, a team that's good to a team that's not good, the Chicago Bears. Mike Martz, former Bears offensive coordinator, had this to say about the Bears offense that he sees. Fields is a guy that makes a lot of mistakes and it's not particularly accurate at times. He's not a quick read and react guy. And he's on a horrendous team. 
But I don't know if I've seen an offense that bad in talent since the 0-16 Detroit Lions in 2008. They just don't have anybody there. It's a bad football team right now. Who's this is Mike March writing a column for the 33rd team. Yeah. Boy, they get everybody. Let's comment on the 33rd team for a second. I mean, I don't know who's financing that operation to, to steal your who's buddy's line. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, they plug into everybody. Eddie George did something for him lately. Yeah. I mean, they, it's, a great, it's a great media operation. I really enjoy it. Um, I, I think Martz is tying into what everybody is thinking there, really putting a cherry on it, going all the way. But uh, that's another team that's in prime time far too much that I am not looking forward to watching at all. And you want to turn me on to Netflix on an NFL night, put the Bears in prime time. I'll watch them once or twice, and after that, if they're what I expect, that's going to be a tough watch. Look, Justin Fields may not end up being any good, but the Bears would be interesting if the Bears were interested at all in providing an offense and some complimentary players to their young quarterback. If they did anything like all these other teams did for their young quarterback. I would be very into the Bears and Justin Fields seeing what he has if I felt like the Bears cared about his progress. If they traded for A.J. Brown. I mean, I... There's no way I'm not going to – regardless of what Justin Fields does this year, I feel like I'm going to come out of the year saying, well, maybe he's still going to be good because the Bears didn't do anything to help him along the way. And what's their plan for next And that's a really tough spot to be in after two years in the NFL with a guy that's picked that highly in the first round. I mean, that's – they're in just a – I feel like a lose-lose situation. I mean, on the off chance that Justin Fields is great this season with no one around him, which – I'd put that percentage chance at about 3% of actually happening. What are we going to know about the Bears' offense after this season? What are we truly going to be able to say based on the, the roster they've put on the field surrounding Justin Fields? It's baffling. I, I can't figure out what they're trying to accomplish. And it's not like their defense is, is going to be great. He was drafted 11th, right? If you last till 11th, you're supposed to wind up with a team that's like, that's supposed to be advantage you. You're not going number one or number two to an awful, awful team that you have to well, single-handedly resurrect. Right. Yeah. But, well, but it, it was generally, thought to be advantage Justin Fields because he's going to a place that badly needed a quarterback and that traded to get him. So when I remember when that happened, man, this is a good situation. The Bears are going big on Justin Fields, who for a long time, you know, people thought first, second, or third overall pick, possibly in the draft, and he fell to 11. Not he's, advantage him. His receiving core is Byron Pringle, Darnell Mooney, and St. Brown. Mooney Equidemia is a, St. Brown. Mooney's a nice player, but he's not a number one. And that's there's you know that's twos and threes. Look, I liked Valus Jones Jr. at Tennessee. Yeah, he's a nice player. But the fact player. that we're talking about Valus Jones Jr. as a possible surprise threat for Chicago, that's a diss to the Bears. Uh, it's a compliment to Valus Jones Jr. as a mid-round pick. And he's got some, you know, sneaky ability, but that's not the situation you want to be in going into a season. And look, it's a, it's a storied team right now that's also trying to get a new stadium deal. Yes, uh, yes. You know, they bought property in the suburbs. They're threatening to go out there. Well, your public backing, no matter how historic you are, tends not to be at its peak when you stink and you've stunk for a while and, you know, you, you went and hired a defensive coach when everybody's hiring offensive wizards and 
Who's who's excited about Eberflus? What is that part of town? Arlington Heights? Isn't yeah. that where they bought the land? Yeah, where the, the racetrack, racetrack is. Where Arlington Park is located, I think it's called. But it's I want to say Arlington Heights is the neighborhood, maybe. Well, they I, I'm the, not, they I'm not the familiar with all with the, the suburbs around Chicago. so They bought the property with the track. They're going to build I'm the stadium I'm assuming it's a, it's a nice suburb of Chicago. Yeah, I presume. But they're also the, the, the counter is like throwing a dome over Soldier Field, which sounds like the most unnatural marriage ever. You're yeah. talking about an ancient, historic field that they modernized. <laughs> And now you're going to throw a dome over. It's 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 a mess there. It really is. I think about those, you know, the the church gatherings that have like all the park benches and then just like a one temporary roof over the top of it. A frame. They just not even a dome. Like it's just windy and cold around it. But there's a literal squared off roof over the top of the stadium that they put with four corners over the stadium, like a table. I, uh, it's like putting a big table over the top of Soldier Field. That I, could be the move. I haven't explored the depths of Soldier Field, um, and I've been in the, you know, in the. We were there in some bad yeah, weather. Yeah, it was like a fifty-degree day, but it was windy. Go figure. But it was, Paul. I didn't hate that stadium. Like it's no. not. It's not. If you tell there's me to list, there's some charm to it still. Yeah. Um, and history. And there's really not the a bad seat there. I don't, I realize in this day and age, twenty years is too long to have a stadium that still stands. But I don't look at that and think, man, that is one dilapidated. No, dilapidated you know, building. I mean, yeah, when it's got history going for it like that, you know, we're not talking about like New Comiskey. New Comiskey is a bad building. Like they blew it when they built New Comiskey. But, the, you know, Soldier Field has charms to it. Well, what it was U.S. Cellular Field. Is that what it's still? It's, it's, got, a, it's got a sponsorship. Uh, you know me Sox and play. stadiums and arenas. I'm sure arenas. it's probably had four different corporate names. I don't names call them by proper names. U.S. I, Cellular I Field. I call them things like New Comiskey. My, my experience with Soldier Field was uh, being in Chicago and going to the top of Sears Tower and looking around the, the observation deck of the city and looking down right inside of Soldier Field and thinking, that's where Soldier Field's located. <laughs> it was just, it was very close to the water. Yeah, it's over by museums. I remember, and park. but I remember looking down and thinking, not that it's unimpressive, it's just, it was surprising that, oh, that's where it is in downtown Chicago, and not really thinking much of it other than seeing, looking down into the field. It's a Wrigley town. Oh, yes. But it's also a Bears town. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Cubs and White Sox fans are Bears fans. Yeah. And Bulls fans. Or, yeah, yeah. But if you, if you walk Hawks around fans. the city, like it's you're seeing. There's that. no, there's no rivalry. There's a Cubs White Sox rivalry in the city. I think there's a Bulls Blackhawks rivalry during the winter time as to who has most of your affection. The Bears are unrivaled. So if the Bears are rolling, it's a big deal for that that city. Been a while. <laughs> it, it has. Armando Salguero about to join us. We will discuss the teams who are good and uh, discuss. What we uh, should expect from uh, the, the Chiefs offense that clearly wants to get tons of work with their starting quarterback and starting offense. And uh, we'll look around the league a bit as we are getting set for the regular season, the final preseason weekend coming up, which kicks off this evening, Packers and Chiefs. Armando Salguero is next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Armando Salguero covers the NFL for Outkick.com, and he is on his way to a training camp practice or from a training camp practice near you in Florida. Armando, hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. I'm also doing 177 miles an hour on I-95. <laughs> hopefully, you, uh, hopefully no uh, Florida state troopers are watching the show right now and heard that. So they can yes. be spotted. Are you on your way back from uh, Miami practice or headed there? Yeah, no. The Actually, I spent the last couple of days uh, with the Dolphins and the Eagles. And it was interesting because yesterday they, you know, they did their routine. They did their dual practices. And then today, this morning, they canceled practice or at least the dual portion of it, because the Dolphins had um, a virus going around, not COVID. And so as to not contaminate more players, including the Philadelphia Eagles, they canceled the dual practices and they met virtually. And that's what they did. Meanwhile, the Eagles practiced, you know, like uh, they would if they were in Philadelphia. So, it's been an interesting day, no doubt about it. Armando Salguero, our guest. Have you gotten much of a, of a look at the Eagles in a sense of, of, uh, of them so far? We've been talking a lot about Jalen Hurts and what's at stake for him this year. Curious about your account. Well, yesterday, um, obviously, I haven't seen every single practice that they've had this year. But yesterday, he looked good. And... From what Nick Sirianni said today, Paul, that was his best practice of training camp. And it was interesting because his best practice of training camp was good. <laughs> uh, I would, you know, I, I did just witness Joe Namath. Let's put it that way, uh, where he did, you know, what? What was it that they were saying about Joe Namath when he was coming out of Alabama? He tilts the field. Uh, well, I didn't see that, but I saw a solid, you know, quarterback doing what he needed to do to move the offense. Uh, I will say this. There are other parts of the Eagles that are way, way more impressive. The offensive line is an impressive unit. Um, I like, I like their defensive front seven a lot. So, I can see why they have a lot of hopes for that team this year. Looked like just on some quick snapshots that A.J. Brown and Xavier Howard were having quite the battle one-on-one -on -one at practice. What, what did you make of A.J. Brown's emergence uh, for, the, for the Eagles there just by having him on the field and the difference that it can make? I think we all recognize that A.J. Brown is the number one receiver in the NFL. Can we all agree on yes, that? Absolutely. That and Howard's one of the best corners. Right. And Xavier Howard is one of the best corners, and they went at it. And honestly, A.J. Brown won a lot, and Xavier Howard won some too. It's hard for a cornerback, a defensive back, to win in, you know, in practices where 
<laughs> you know, there's no real pressure on the quarterback. Or if it's seven on seven, it's, it's you and him. And the quarterback just stands there and waits for the guy to come open. So that's that's hard to gauge. But I would say that what A.J. Brown is going to do for the Eagles this year, it really is impressive because the, Devontae Smith, he's going to benefit from that. The running game should benefit from that. It, it's going to be, uh, you know, again, like everybody says, and I talked to Rick Spielman, the general manager, the former general manager of the Minnesota Vikings yesterday, and he, be, you know, he believes it's, it's really Jalen Hurts' time. If he doesn't step up, if he doesn't take advantage of all the weapons that he's been presented, he's going to get replaced next year. I know a coach is uh, by nature going to spin for his guys, and Mike McDaniel has a lot tied to Tua um, right now. But he certainly seems to be uh, a, more of the honest variety in terms of uh, his sincerity. And when I watch him with Lebetard, uh, whoever it was, talking about him throwing the most perfect ball in the history of mankind – uh, there, there seems to be a lot of oomph behind that. Help us um, kind of come to terms with what he's saying there in terms of this perfect ball from, from Tua. So, look, <laughs> Tua does, I, I believe it was the most catchable ball. Wasn't that it? Yeah, um, that's, that's great, and that's important. Very important. Joe Montana threw a very catchable ball, but, you know, it didn't have the velocity that Steve Young's ball had. Um, and sometimes you need the velocity and sometimes you need the arm strength. Tua Tungavailoa has great accuracy, very, very catchable ball. Um, those are his, his signature traits. But if you're expecting him to throw it 75 yards, that's probably not always going to happen on time. And if you're expecting him to know what the defense is doing before the snap of the ball, that doesn't and hasn't always happened before, he's going to try and get better at that. There's, there's great things about Tua, and there's traits that he needs to develop or he's got holes in his game. And that's the process that's happening right now in Miami. So, Armando, we had this discussion earlier about big-time quarterbacks participating in preseason games. Tom Brady's going to start in their final preseason game. We saw Josh Allen throw three passes. We've seen Patrick Mahomes. And the question that Hutton posed was, what do they really get out of three passes? What, what's the point if you go in for one series – and throw three passes, and I responded by saying there has to be some point if they want to do it because we know these decisions are being made jointly by head coach and quarterback. So what do you think they get out of it and why we're seeing some big-time quarterbacks, even if only for a series, get in there and play a little bit in the preseason? Right, and, and as you guys know, Brady is going to play on Saturday. Last year in the final preseason game, he threw 15 passes, I think, uh, and completed 11 of them. And so 
clearly he's okay and wants to get game reps with his wide receivers. And I would say to you, because this year, Mike Evans hasn't been practicing because of a hamstring and Chris Goodwin hasn't been really doing a lot because he's coming back from the ACL and MCL and because Brady has been away for 10 days or whatever it was, he doesn't have, and Gronk is not around, mind you. So he doesn't have his security blanket and he doesn't have the, the game speed uh, chemistry with his wide receivers. None of them, really. None of them that are supposed to matter, really. Uh, and you can throw Perriman in there as well. So I can understand in that case why he probably wants to see some action. I doubt very seriously that they're going to ask him to throw a lot of deep balls because that requires more time. And that's how quarterbacks get hit and hurt. Uh, but having said that, look, if Tom Brady thinks it's okay and he wants to do it, who are we to say, you didn't get anything out of it? You, you don't know anything. We don't think you're getting enough out of this. Uh, you know, I, I just, if he's okay with it and Patrick Mahomes has played, um, God bless him, man. Just don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. And that's my thing. I, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't play him personally if I'm the head coach because I can't win the Super Bowl in August, but I can lose it if one of these guys gets hurt. That's a fair look. That's Jonathan. That's perfectly, perfectly logical and accurate. And, and I don't know if I, I, we've talked about this on, on the show before, but I've raised that very argument to multiple head NFL coaches before. And the consensus answer, believe it or not, that I have gotten from them, and it's it, it sounds outrageous, but this is how they think, a lot of them. It's football. You have to play football to be good at football and to prepare to be good at football. And if you don't play, you're probably not going to be sharp right off the bat. So there, uh, I know you've, you're driving, so you may have not seen this yet, but Aaron Donald is slinging a helmet at a Bengals player in a joint practice brawl. Uh, this actually, I think, fits the description of a brawl, Paul. Yeah. Uh, By the way, he's swinging the Bengals player's helmet yeah. at the guy that's helmetless. Oh. He has taken a Cincinnati helmet and is swinging it over and over at players, not his own helmet. He has the helmet on the My, entire time. Miles Garrett was suspended indefinitely. It ended up being just the end of the season for the Browns whenever he was throwing a helmet around in game in a game uh what do you think a suspension's headed for aaron donald armando and from a joint practice video well i i haven't seen the video and i don't know the context uh i assume that aaron donald was not just randomly angry <laughs> <laughs> to that extent right i don't know if something happened i don't know what the extenuating circumstances was. Um, <laughs> I, I guess my answer is, I don't know guys. Um, I do know this, that if he had been doing that to Joe Burrow, yes, 
there would be problems. I do, do, okay? I'm, I'm thinking the league doesn't have the power necessarily to uh, discipline something like that. It would be a, a team deal uh, out, of, out of a practice circumstance. Why? I don't know why. I don't know. I, 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 mean, don't. I, I think that the league has the power to discipline however they want, regardless of charges being pressed. It's about conduct. Yeah. I'm, I'm just. I'm not. I'm not remembering team at league discipline for practice infractions, but maybe I'm mistaken. I mean, fair. But on the other hand, I don't remember a scene that like you just described. Uh, you know, to the extent that it was actual taking grabbing. So he slung the helmet off the guy. And then used it on him. Yes. Is that what you're saying? I, I don't know that he connected because he's surrounded by so many bodies. I've watched it probably 20 times now, and I'm watching it right now. He is just going willy-nilly at someone with about 15 bodies throwing him back. And he is throwing that helmet over and over until eventually about five guys get him to the ground and throw him out of the pile. And then the fight continues from that point on. <laughs> well, let me be the first to report that next year the Cincinnati Bengals and Los Angeles Rams will not hold dual practices together. <laughs> yeah, I, I watching this, Armando, I feel like a suspension is coming. I, I, I don't know how the league could watch this and say we're serious about player safety, but, you know, that's just boys being boys <laughs> in practice. We'll let the guy, you know, throw the helmet around and sling it at, you know, helmetless faces during practice. But uh, I, th there's something that's going to happen. Maybe a big fine and no suspension, but I don't feel like this is just going to be swept under the rug with what we're seeing. James Palmer of NFL Network uh, tweeted out, and I haven't heard the, the volume of this. We've only seen it. He says, Aaron Donald uses an opponent's helmet as a weapon, and you can actually hear him hit another player. This <laughs> is out of control. Uh, the only difference between Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett is nationally televised football games where this took place versus uh, deleted video. This is actually, the, whatever video was posted was deleted originally. Well, it's probably a fan video that wasn't allowed not to allowed be to. taken a video, and it's probably a non-filmable portion of practice for media. Yep. Yeah, you're right. That's Again, good. also, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, also, uh, I don't know, but it sounds like he was doing this to an offensive lineman. It's way different when you're doing it in the league's eyes. Let's put it that way, because we know that they've gone to great extents to protect their quarterbacks. They've gone to great lengths to make sure that the guys that uh, are the stars of the game are protected and anything that happens against those guys is summarily disciplined. So that might be a little thing to consider in the context of this. Armando, Mike Giusecki in, in Miami, it, has it really been so that bad, his adapting to this new offensive system where I know he was quoted as saying, I've been a, practically a wide receiver, now I'm actually playing tight end. How would you describe his camp? And I mean, speaking of guys who are playing, he's playing a lot of snaps trying to get work in within this new offense. Yeah, let me describe his camp. He's been awesome. He's outstanding. He's one of the top tier tight ends in the NFL. And the reason that you're hearing everybody uh, associated with the Dolphins saying that is because he's on the trade block. 
So, uh, you know, let's face it. Mike Gusecki is a really a glorified wide receiver. He tries to block. Uh, He's willing, but it doesn't work out. And in the Mike McDaniel slash Kyle Shanahan slash, uh, you know, offense that, that several teams run now, the tight end must block. And Mike Gusecki, Gusecki is not the ultimate blocker and it's not a, it's not a fit. And he's also the franchise tag player, which means he's costing the Dolphins $10 million this year. Um, It's not a fit. And he's going to be gone next year. They're going to try to get something for him before the season begins. Uh, Armando, tell me if you remember this incident, because I'm just doing some research here trying to find if the NFL has ever suspended anyone because of conduct detrimental during an NFL practice. And what pops up is an incident in 2018 in Jacksonville where both Dante Fowler and Jalen Ramsey were suspended for a game. They did not make a trip to a game in Minnesota because, and this is amazing and and so Jacksonville, it's crazy. Fowler was involved in several fights Sunday, including one after practice with fellow defensive end Yannick Ngakwe. Ramsey then shouted profanities at assembled media members who were capturing the altercation on video and later threatened reporters with, quote, war for releasing the video, that he said he was going to wage war against the reporters, and they were both suspended. Uh, This is a crazy, funny story, and I don't remember it at all, and it happened in 2018. I don't remember it either, and I'm guessing that that was a team uh, penalty, no? It was, yeah, it was. No, you're right. It was the Jacksonville Jaguars suspended both of them, but the league did not get involved. But I'm looking for anything about practice behavior leading to suspensions and just doing a quick Google search. I can't find anything from the NFL where this has happened. And that raises this question. So do the Los Angeles Rams want to play nice? And, and, you know, they're the defending Super Bowl champions. They're, They're the example, quote, unquote, are they recognizing that their guy, you know, did something that looks, you know, egregious? Uh, suspend their star and arguably their biggest star? Uh, do they penalize their star and arguably their biggest star on the eve of, you know, NFL week? No. They'll, they'll uh, say they handled the discipline in house. We handled the discipline in house, says Sean yeah, McVeigh. I think they'll suspend him for this final preseason game. <laughs> yeah, which he wasn't Gosh, going to play you in any. Anyway. If that's the response, <laughs> they're not we, holding him out against the Bills. We take this very seriously, so much so that Aaron Donald will not play in preseason <laughs> they game pun- number three. They, maybe they punish him by playing him in the preseason <laughs> game. He'll play all four that's quarters. A, that's beautiful. <laughs> That is gorgeous. All four. And, and, and guys, which one of us, raise your hand, being the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, would do any different? Because if you're a guy that would suspend Aaron Donald for the regular season opener against the Buffalo Bills, you're a dummy. 
Yes. I, I would feel a lot more comfortable Fine. doing so having just won the Super Bowl as opposed to a coach who hasn't won the Super Bowl, but I still would not want to do that from a business from a business standpoint. I would not want to be the one making that decision. You can find them. You can find them in in-house discipline. That's how it works. Armando, thank you as always, and enjoy the final weekend of the preseason. Take care, bud. All right, thank you. Armando Salguero, Outkick.com is where you can find him. I've got a bigger question to ponder during the break, and that is we just got done talking about doing away with preseason games and maybe televising or putting something out there for fans in a joint practice setting, and now are we witnessing something that's going to make these joint practices go away? We'll discuss coming up on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 continues. Chad, you posed the the thought and the question going into the break about the the future of joint practices maybe taking over the preseason coverage instead of three preseason games. If you reduce it, you could add more televised joint practices, but also you have incidents like today with the fights and helmets being thrown by Aaron Donald, Rams, and, and Bengals going at it. You said it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's been a big debate going on. Is not, is preseason, are preseason games good? They're not. But now it's suddenly become, you know, what's really entertaining is getting out and watching some of these joint practices with teams and maybe take away a preseason game at a televised joint practice for two of the teams. And that gives you the same bit of whet your appetite for football season with that. Now I watch this and, and comments by head coaches saying, the fighting is getting out of control and taking away from preparation at times. And this is something that really pisses coaches off because they get a certain amount of time, and when they're breaking up fights, as what you know Mike Vrabel says, doing dumb bleep, that's going to make them mad. So now you get Aaron Donald, and we're all seeing him wielding a helmet like a crazy man in practice and maybe facing a suspension and probably at very least a fine and I immediately think, well, maybe now this goes away too no, because I, of this. It happens all the time. I mean, Panthers and and Patriots were a little feisty. Um, I think a know, little feisty coaches, is different from this. Well, yeah, this is an extreme example of it. But I there think were several one, fights in this practice today too. Yeah, between these two. one extreme example of it isn't a, isn't a cause to do away with it. And I think most coaches would trade. Um, a, a typical training camp fight, which is very uneventful generally because everybody's in helmets, slapping helmets for the chance of a torn ACL in, in a game, uh, in a preseason game. So I, I, there's no epide- epidemic going on. Tom Pelissero just tweeted, and I, I was right on this, clubs, 
not the NFL, are responsible for overseeing conduct of players at practice, including joint practices. So fair to say league discipline for Aaron Donald or anyone else in today's brouhaha is unlikely. Um, and, and that was my perception, that the league doesn't oversee practices, teams oversee practices. Well, and the NFLPA, because you have the reps who yeah. report you if your club is breaking, breaking some rules. sort of rule. But this, this is uh, in-house discipline rules. So, you know, um, Sean McVay would very likely be, you know, and there's all kinds of discipline that goes on inside a team that we don't know about. You're fined for being late. You're fined for, uh, you know, um, lollygagging, my, what, whatever. My question on that, though, would be when in-house gets out of house. And there's a very public video of something like this happening. It is very broad and vague on the league's discretion on conduct detrimental to the league. And yeah. what can they say is, hey, now guys showing up late to practice or cursing out a coach that's not on video, that's on the club to decide what you want to do when conduct is detrimental within the confines of well, practice. Per- you're talking but, personal conduct but policy. When it, is- but when everybody sees this, but that's my point of the personal conduct policy. I mean, it's very vague on purpose for what the league can do. I'm not saying that they're going to come in and say, you know, you're suspended for two games or anything like that, but I wouldn't be so quick to just shut the door on if this continues to gain legs and everyone sees the video now of the league just doing nothing. If the Rams say we're handling it internally and there's no suspension. I mean, it is weird when you consider that Garrett was suspended. It ended up being six games, but he was suspended indefinitely the end of the 2019 season, reinstated in February of the following year, um, where he took a helmet after uh, Mason Rudolph, Browns and and Steelers. There's really no difference between the two. Just one was on national television. There's a giant difference. One is, is... is between the white lines of a of a game, and the other is is well, Paul, not. Uh, the same media members that were crying for uh, Miles Garrett to be suspended, and I don't blame them. I was one of them. Uh, some of the talking points were assault. Yeah, I I, I would so, ar- I would argue that there's no difference if you're the guy without his helmet off, getting your skull cracked by a, a helmet. Oh, you're right. Yeah, no suspension for that guy. Our white lines are in practice and not a game on TV. I mean. Conduct like that is conduct want, like that, regardless of where it happens. Well, well I, I would say here, here's a, I'm devil's advocating on this. Here's a place where, where the victim, whoever this is who got hit over the head with the helmet, could legitimately, more legitimately, outside the purview of, of the stadium and the league control, file for assault and, and be able to, to civilly or criminally deal with this with authorities as opposed to uh, under the league's purview, which they seem somehow to be away from criminal jurisdiction during a game somehow. This seems to me to fall more into that. And I would prefer that. Let me, let me just say, uh, first off, I don't know if anyone was injured with this. We heard something being hit by the helmet. I don't know if it's a skull, if it was a fist, another helmet. if it was another helmet. I have no idea. Everyone could be totally fine. But my argument is, Paul, to just say, well, the difference is one was in a game and one was in practice, so it's no big deal. 
I, I would argue it's a big deal when well, everybody sees it. I think it's still it. a big deal, but I don't think it's for the. Uh, I, I mean, I think there's a clear differentiation in the in the rules that the the league doesn't govern practice. And you may be right. I, I just we've seen the league overstep before. I don't know that this would be overstepping per se, but we've seen them try to do everything they can to make sure they're in control I, of a situation. I'm, I don't I'm, think they'd create a precedent here. I, my yeah. my instinct is for a star player on a one thing where stuff has happened before incognito's gone crazy at practices uh, if i remember correctly with helmet swinging um just off the top of my head uh i don't think they'd create a precedent off of off of one thing involving one star player who they like and who's been a good citizen um I, I don't know that that'd be the time or the place for them to do it i'm not saying it's a right thing or that he he didn't lose his head um, but I'd be surprised if the league got involved here. Uh, McVeigh is quoted after the... So they ended practice early. And McVeigh is quoted after the practice saying he does not think anyone was hurt. So I guess he's speaking on behalf of his team, but also assuming... We'd like to hear from Bengals. Zach Taylor. <laughs> yeah, coach should have ch- checked with me first before saying that because I got a guy over here with a broken orbital, orbital yeah. bone in his eye. Yeah. Again, I, I, I don't I much don't more know. significant statement from Zach Taylor. The video is also clearly, I think, a fan video that's from far away. You can't see what the helmet hits the one time it makes contact. No. And they were made, I, I think it's a safe presumption, right? Fans probably weren't allowed to film here. Somebody filmed it, put it out. Yeah. Security came and asked them or told them or forced them to take it down. Somebody out there was smart enough to on. record it yep. and duplicate it. Yep. Otherwise, none of us would see this and there'd be no call for discipline or anything right now we get to find out what caused this this what got aaron donald so hot coming up headlines and our sec spotlight continues on the arkansas razorbacks that's next on outkick 360